Okay. Let's get to the news. Welcome, welcome to the regular group form takes. I'm sure you're wondering if you, uh... <laughs> what is this? I'm sure you're wondering why we called it the regular lukewarm takes, and that's because uh, we have a Patreon now. Yay. Uh, which means that if you were listening to the pre-show, we're cutting it right there. And that's where the normal people, the I'm gonna peasants... Put some, I'm gonna put some nice little intro music, some transitional uh, music. And so the peasants won't be able to listen to this part. Pay us money! Pay us money to hear the pre-show. You don't get to know what we were talking about. On to the news. So, uh, H, uh, there was both the Nintendo Direct, which is, uh, gaming stuff, so that's not really our territory, but the reason I bring that up is because at the same time, Cartoon Network released a bunch of information about what they're doing for the next year, um, mainly involving HBO Max and stuff like that. Uh, first on that lineup was the Gumball movie that the, has been in, uh, development hell for the past, like, four years. Uh, so nobody was really sure that was gonna happen, but then they were like, actually guys, we've been developing it! Surprise! So there is going to be an Amazing World of Gumball movie to finish off the finale. I'm very excited. I'm so excited about that. Gumball, uh, Gumball good, actually. Gumball is so good. Yeah. Uh, there's gonna be a Craig of the Creek spinoff, uh, starring Jessica, uh, his little sister, and Craig of the Creek is so good and so cute. Uh, so that if you really want something that's just peaceful and cute and nostalgic. Crack of the Creek. Go watch it. Uh, All I... of this falls under the, the car Cartoon Network's doing some shit. Cartoon Network's doing some shit. And also, uh, they are now splitting into three, t into yeah, three that's, segments. That's what I was referring to, Yeah. but I don't have a good grasp of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they're splitting into Cartoonitos, which is going to be the children, which is going to be the preschool channel, Cartoon Network, which is like the tweens and yeah, uh, which is like the tweens and uh, children channel, and then Adult Swim, which is for older teens and young adults. And uh, why isn't there a Cartoon Network for old people? Probably because uh, that would be boomerang, probably right. Because that's yeah. where all the old cartoons go. That's the um, that's the channel I grew up watching the most. Yeah, uh, that was always on uh, our very old chunky TV mm -hmm. when we were children. Uh, what else? Oh, Infinity Train. Infinity Train is back, baby. It finally got renewed. Oh, it's yes. I was so worried it wasn't going to get renewed and they weren't going to be able to finish the story. But oh, yes. are they? Do, do you know? Is it just one more season or? Uh, Are they gonna keep going indefinitely? I think they have plans for about eight. Yes! They could do whatever. Oh. Owen Dennis can do whatever. I don't Forever. care. That man can do whatever he wants. That, it's so genius. Yeah. Like, if you haven't watched Infinity Train... It's very good. It's so good. It's like, you may think, oh, it's a kid's show. It's not a children's show. No. As someone who watched it for the first time in September of 2020... That is not a children's <laughs> show. There were some moments that, like, fucked me up. And it's like... And I am an adult. It's so much. I was gonna say something about, like, who can handle emotionally charged content, but that, that part's not true about me. It's debatable. Yeah. I, I can handle scary things. I cannot handle emotional things. God. See, and the Infinity Trade is both scary and emotional. There were there, there were some terrifying moments. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> the whole thing that happens at the end of season three is. <sighs> yeah, 
Yeah. I don't want to elaborate on it because it's a massive spoiler, but oh my but god. There's there's some moments. There's some moments there in season three. Also, Vinny Train says says A cab, so. Okay. It's very good. Gotta teach him young. Gotta or teach him old if you're watching it in September of 2020. <laughs> I said A cab before I watched Infinity Train for yeah. the record. Infinity Train was not what radicalized me. But it could be what radicalizes you. HBO Max. All cops are bastards. <laughs> Hire me to do your marketing. <laughs> uh, WandaVision is in its uh in its final episode next week. Uh, I wouldn't know. Uh, it's been doing pretty good. I haven't watched the new episode yet, but I'm, I've been enjoying it. I am so blissfully unaware <laughs> of WandaVision. I somehow every every social media algorithm. Just the WandaVision content completely skipped me, and I haven't seen an episode. That song, the, the Agatha song, uh-huh. did not know that that was a WandaVision thing until a co-worker told me it's, on Wednesday. It's catchy as hell, though. It is. It's a good song. I get to listen to it without consuming more Marvel content. I still might watch it, though. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Like, as long as... I don't plan on really watching any other Marvel stuff after this. I just liked it because it was genuinely something that I was like, oh, I would watch that even if it wasn't yeah. Marvel. I am. I'm a fan of Uncanny Valley-esque content. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so I might watch it anyway, but I'm really enjoying not hearing about other people. I don't care about watch it. Yeah. No, it's like... I think M- Marvel could be far more interesting if it just made more stuff like WandaVision where it's like, even if it wasn't Marvel content, I would still watch it. Yeah. Uh, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, we have a whole Marvel episode up our sleeves. Because I've been angrily ranting about it for the past It will not be. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna make a joke about Spider-Man Far From Home being a bad movie. It is a bad movie! It's so funny. I walked into Spider-Man Far From Home at, like, close to the peak of my Marvel hyperfixation that had lasted for a couple years. Like, I was so into the MCU when I went into the theater to see Far From Home, Mm -hmm. and by the time I left the theater, I no longer cared about Marvel. It really did that. Uh Like, as soon as I saw Far From Home, I was like, Wow. It pulled the plug. <laughs> it did something so... I, like, made, like, two memes about it, and then I was like, wow. Yeah, and not only that, not only was I at the height of my Marvel hyperfixation, it was all based on Spider-Man. It was all about Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I would, I would like, stay up at night thinking about Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I'm like, this is, this is the best man on Earth. And then I walked into Far From Home, and I watched Far From Home, and I was like, you know what? The MCU is bad, actually. Yeah. I don't know what it does, but it just flips a switch in your brain where you're just like, wow. Imagine, (laughs) imagine making a movie so, like, mediocre. I'm not going to say it was bad, but so mediocre that it cuts short an autistic person's love of your show. Honestly. (laughs) It is so hard to get an autistic person to stop liking something. And yet, it was... It was an incredible thing to watch. What a feat. What a feat was accomplished with Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, you got two autistic people to stop liking Marvel in its entirety. Congrats. Is it Kevin? Kevin Feige? No, I think that one was on John Watts. 
Congrats. Okay, um, what else? Uh, Punisher and Jessica Jones are back in Marvel. Don't know what's gonna go on with them. Oh, also Daredevil. Oh, all of them. Yeah, so if you like Daredevil, or Luke Cage, or Jessica Jones, or the Punisher, uh, good chance you're gonna get to see them again. I'm not sure if they're gonna get Charlie Cox back, which is the only way I'd watch Daredevil content from mainstream Marvel. Yeah. But, uh... It, it's looking pretty promising, because people have been like, I'm not watching Daredevil unless there's Charlie Cox, so. So we better come back. And then, uh, the trailer for the Cruella movie dropped, <laughs> which is Joker for 12-year-olds. It's Joker for 12-year-olds. Girl power Joker is what Girl it is. Girl boss Joker. Girl boss Joker. I think <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix should play Cruella DeVille, actually. They're gonna ha- no, that's that's the gag. It's gonna be like they've had they have all this build up with like Emma Stone and stuff like that, and then you're gonna go to the movie. Get to the movie and it's walking in drag. <laughs> it's walking. It's walking in like high drag. Yeah, Emma's just not there. <laughs> Emma Stone is not there. She plays like a side character. Wait, Emma Stone is Cruella? Yeah. Oh, now I'm really not gonna watch it. Yeah. Why is that? I no offense to Emma Stone. She is a lovely person and a very good actress. I cannot stand looking at her which is so mean i know i know how mean it is but i can't i can't look at her (laughs) that makes no sense i know but i just (laughs) i don't know i'm one of those people that goes to see i'll go watch movies because uh i am uh i am uh, arrested to my own in my own special interests a lot of that being television and films i'm like well, I guess I'll go watch it. I'm not really interested in watching it, but I'm gonna go watch it. Yeah. That's what happened with Joker. Uh, it was such a mediocre viewing experience. I made my parents watch Joker over quarantine. <laughs> you were joking. No. Actually, no. No, it's worse than that. My mom made our family watch Joker over quarantine. She was like, it's critically acclaimed. It won so many Oscars. Let's watch Joker together. Oh my God. I was like, mother... Are you- is this you coming out as an incel, Jana? Your- um, Jana Loney said put on a happy face. Yeah. I- I didn't hate Joker, actually. I thought the aesthetics were good. Yeah. Uh, I thought the acting was good. Uh, but it was I, I super- I love Joaquin Phoenix. But it was super ableist, number one. Yeah. And number two, uh, script sucked. The script sucked ass. Yeah. Uh. It was good cinematography. It was nice shots, but it was so and I mediocre. I love Joaquin. Wish they hadn't made him lose so much weight for the film. Wish the filming of Joker hadn't given Mr. Phoenix an eating disorder. Uh, but he did a great job. He deserved the Oscar, I think. I just have such a grudge against that movie in particular. I feel like the Joker set us back like uh, 10 years. Joker set us back about ten single-handedly. Years. Yeah, no, single-handedly. Damn. Joker set us back ten years because now all these little incels expect more content like Joker, and we're gonna get more content like Joker because it did exponentially well. Fair. And it's going to make me scream into my pillow late at night. Yeah. Uh, Cruella though. Uh, looks coming out. Look forward to Girl Boss Joker in 2022. Looking forward to Joaquin and Drag. <laughs> If that doesn't happen, I'm gonna be sad. If, okay, if it at least- it should at least happen on SNL. Yeah. There needs to be some sketch comedy done. 
where Joaquin Phoenix plays Cruella Deville. Yeah. And if, if I don't see Joaquin Phoenix skin a puppy, then we've truly failed as a society. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know if this is in the trailer. Um, but if the movie doesn't include, like, a super, like, brooding jazz cover of the Cruella DeVille song from 101 Dalmatians, preferably covered by Billie Eilish. Uh-huh. If that's not in the Cruella movie, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> the only, the only way that you can justify the making of the Cruella movie is if you include an emo cover of the song. No, you're right. Uh... What a year it's been so far for film already. Oh, yes. And on that account, we know it's nearly March, but... we well, we haven't talked to you in so long. It's been so long. Dear ha- listeners. How, how have you been? How's your mom? Oh, you don't talk to her? That's really sad. Mom, I'm tired. Can I sleep in your house? Tonight. That's the Mitsuki that limit. Mitsuki. That was the Mitsuki limit. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we've hit. Uh, the point is, <laughs> is that we have decided, um, New Year, not new film industry, but it could be. We've written New Year's resolutions for the film and television industry. Is what all this to say? Because the bar is on the floor. So we're trying to raise the, raise it a little bit, raise our expectations yeah. a little bit. We are disrespectfully giving Hollywood some recommendations some no- on how they could make us stop coming on here every Saturday night to an audience of, like, four uh, and complaining very loudly. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. We're taking Hollywood to the front of the stage. We just finished rehearsal, and, we, and we're looking very disappointed and doing the director thing of, like... We just, everyone, everyone sit down where you are. Sit down where you are. And giving them some very harshly worded notes. Mm -hmm. And then making the tech crew come out too. Because we're disappointed in them too. Yeah. Except the tech crew is also like, like the stage manager and probably the person who was running the soundboard are like in on the frustration with the director because they were on the headsets for the whole dress rehearsal. Yeah. Um, And also the stage manager is always like weirdly elitist. Uh, in my experience, and so, like, they all come out, and they're, like, sitting near the director, and they're just like, yeah, you guys suck, (laughs) but they're saying it, like, with their eyes, and they do the, like, I just have a question for the group, um, this is a very, this is such a huge hypothetical, (laughs) this is big analogy that we've gotten into, (laughs) it's, it's a very specific metaphor, but theater kids, you know what we're talking about, you know, you get it. First resolution. I'm gonna pick these um, in a random order. Okay. First resolution. Do not make shows about COVID. Do not write COVID into your pre-existing shows. We are watching this to escape, my friends. It's been nearly a year. In March, we will be marking our covid anniversary. I don't want to hear about it anymore. If I have to hear about COVID anymore in in my little escapist realm, I'm gonna cry, because I already wake up every day and I ask myself, why am I still going to college? Every- we're in a pandemic! I have limited time on this earth, and yet here I am, watching- film school! Watching a little show about COVID! Yeah. It's just- Um, there is a caveat to this resolution for me. Um, I'm gonna preface this by saying, 
that we all know this. I watch bad TV on purpose. Uh, one of those shows being The Good Doctor. God. And The Good Doctor is bad. Um, but the one thing, they've done several things right. One of the biggest things that they've done right is that it's a medical drama. They had to bring it up. Um, they had a two-part episode about the pandemic. Naturally. Um, and it was like, fine, it was a good episode, but it was two parts. And then the third episode of the season, they had the star, Freddie Highmore, come out and be like, hey, we're gonna pretend that the pandemic was just solved, um, and hopefully we'll actually get there one day. Here's the rest of the season that has nothing to do with the pandemic. And they do... It's not like they pretend it never happened. Like, one of the characters has this whole arc right now where she has, like, PTSD from being a doctor during the worst of the pandemic, which is great. Um, and it's a good storyline, in my opinion. But, like, they they wrote it into the show, and then they wrapped it up real quick. <laughs> and that is the only way you're allowed to do it, and I think you should only do that if your show is about medical... I would agree with that. Yeah. Or you just do what David Tennant and uh, Michael Sheen did. Which is make the dumbest thing possible. Yeah, or what was it called? It was called Stage. Yeah. Or you make Stage. Which is an excellent show, by the way. Because so literally the whole point is like they had a show, it got shut down because of COVID. But they never actually discussed the pandemic. It's no. just them trying to make this production of like some terrible Italian play happen. Yeah. Also, the director definitely. Um, A, the guy who plays the werewolf in Being Human. Is that what that show is called? I don't the know. The show where the werewolf, the ghost, and the vampire are roommates. Domestic monster comedy. Um, he plays that, and then he also plays the guy who, uh, hallucinates the hounds in BBC Sherlock's Hounds of Baskerville. Ah, fun! Yes. I hate that you remember that. I... Uh... We have a limit on how much Jack can talk about Sherlock, not because Jack particularly likes Sherlock, but because no, it keeps- I do, it's the problem. You do, but you, you've you made a whole thing I about do, it. but it's bad. Yeah, exactly. So we have to have a limit. Yeah, that was my limit. <laughs> it's um, a bad show, but also- Yeah. Next resolution. I'm gonna pick one that, that you have lots of thoughts about. Please. This is what we both have lots of thoughts about. No more classic Disney remakes. Yes! Thank you! God! None! No more! This this is about the Corella thing again. This is about the Corella thing again. I will not... And Mulan. I'm about to... And Mulan. That one was particularly egregious, because it was so... It was made during the height of the Hong Kong protests, and then the, every... And it was made in a sector that was... You, uh, made in a, a, a part of China that was utilizing uh, uh, the uh, oppressed workers, and it was like the ultimate combination of horrible things that could be that could be used. Mm -hmm. It was just so egregiously terrible. Bad man. I didn't watch it. However, it got. Then they had the audacity to charge thirty bucks for it. Yeah, that was that was not the worst of it, but that was up there. Mm -mm. Huh? Like, not only were they anti Hong Kong. Use it. Pay $30 to watch this um, incredibly bad, problematic remake of Mulan at home on your streaming service that you already own. Yeah. Is what they said. And then it was like $30 to rent. It's so wild. Like, I just can't. I couldn't. It's a solid huh from me. It's such a. Mm, like, and I, there are very few Disney remakes that I can genuinely think of that I've enjoyed. 
because most of them are made so soullessly and with yeah. so little value to add. Like the 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 best one I can think of is the 1990s Cinderella starring Brandy and Whitney Houston. That one is beautiful, great costuming, great music. Uh, and the 1990s uh, <laughs> 101 Dalmatians, actually, which was hilarious because yeah. it had Glenn Close in it, who is an icon. Yeah. Aside from that, I can't really think of any... Also, it's like, it's all just to keep Disney properties from entering the public domain, and we know this, uh, and it's bad. That's exactly. It's not good. Which leads us to the next resolution, which is Trust Bus Disney. Please. We... We're going to have a whole episode about Disney eventually, because uh, there's so much to talk about whenever it comes to Disney and the way that they've just monopolized the industry. Like, the recent closing of Blue Sky Studios, and uh, which is the only East Coast animation studio, 400 jobs down the toilet. Yeah. And the way that they've just completely centralized animation uh, and uh, film to Los Angeles is criminal, frankly. And they've just completely consolidated the industry to down to, like, a few studios, mm -hmm. which is so... If you're a film history major, you know for a fact that that is exactly what happened in the early days of film, and inevitably, it becomes too much. Yeah, and then, like, that got trust busted at a way earlier point than we're at now. Exactly. The Paramount decrees happened, like, before we got to this point. And it's very clear that... Disney should have been put in check years ago. But nobody stopped them. Iron Man 1 era. <laughs> like... I don't care if you like Disney or not. At this point, I have no apology. I have no apologies. No, no, no. sympathy for Disney. I don't want to hear it from any Disney, for any Disney people, any like Disney millennials, especially who are like, "Oh my God, I love Disney." And I this go to Disney World. Yeah, everything. this doesn't mean you can't like the content. They've yeah. made some great stories. They're not making great stories anymore because they're just remaking things they've already done. And here's the thing: if you like those things, if you like. And the Disney animated movies or Star Wars or like uh, whatever, somebody else is going to snatch them up because yeah. those properties are going to go immediately on sale. Yeah. Somebody who likes those things a lot and knows how to make stuff with them is going to take them if Disney were to get trust busted because those properties, like I said, would go up for sale and somebody else would buy them and continue making things yeah. for them. And if you like the stories, you should want them to be like treated with respect and not just as a cash cow. Yeah. So yeah, if you So Disney, Disney gays, Disney millennials, stop liking Disney and just say that you like the specific properties that you like. Yeah. I... And then stop going to theme parks and giving them all your money. Cheers. Yeah, just find an alternative. Hey, go to Dollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Go Doll to Dollywood. <laughs> This is a message. 2021 New Year's resolution. Go to Dollywood. That sounds way more fun because Dolly Parton is the best. Yeah. Um, we talked about no new Marvel already. Uh, that was one of our resolutions. Um, I would love. We're gonna talk about it for a whole episode one day, yeah. and it's gonna be. I will hold back no mercy. Yeah. As long as we're on the the big the big leftist topics. This isn't a leftist topic, this is just good. Um, but behind camera diversity should match up with your on-screen diversity. This is such an issue, and you can see it. 
you can see it so everywhere. obviously. Everywhere. Like, you'll see a TV show that's like, we're diverse. We have characters that are, we have characters that are black and gay. I'm like, okay, but did you actually get people who are black and gay to write for them? We can tell you didn't. Yeah. Because the dialogue you're using is bad. It's so bad and so trashy. You can tell that gay people haven't written content that's starring gay people because they're like, it's like one gay person. We watched a movie recently-ish called Freaky, which was uh, which featured a very obvious gay stereotype of a character. Yeah, but it was so funny. It was, it was hilarious. He came out as straight to his mom. It was, but it was as a joke. Oh, it was, I loved it. It was GDF <laughs> levels of representation, which is to say, not good. Hey. Very- GBF did more for the LGBT community than any other film has ever done. I stand by that. Uh, forget Oscar award-winning film Moonlight. Forget Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Forget all the other films that have done something. This is it. GBF. GBF. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, it's so good. I'm gonna- this is gonna be the topic of next week. What? In the pre-show. GBF. Oh god. I'm gonna talk about it so much. Uh, I'm gonna watch it again before next Saturday. Pay two dollars to the Brain Rot Patreon to listen to Jack talk about GBF. It's good. Okay. It's Um, not. Yeah, but if if you want to make a movie or show about something that you're not, uh, at least consult someone in that group. Preferably write it with them. Direct it with them actually include people. Yeah. Like, uh, don't profit off a minority if you're not going to include them in the process of creation. Yeah. It's not hard. It's really And it's not. also not hard to find an actor who exists in... If you're trying to make characters who exist at the intersection of multiple identities, there are actors everywhere. Fucking everywhere. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I was, like... I make fan casts a lot, it's fun for me, um, and every once in a while I'm like, well, I want someone who fits, like, this really specific intersection of identities that this character is in, but there's no one in mainstream Hollywood or Broadway that I can think of who would do that, and so, like, I pick someone who's, like, close, but I'm always like, if I were going to make this adaptation for real, I would just find a new actor. That's, like, half the fun. Yeah. Like, if it's like, oh, I want... I want a trans neurodivergent actor. They exist! There's so many. They're everywhere, man. Do you ever go on TikTok? Yeah. It's like, I want a... I want a black trans mask actor. Oh, great! They're everywhere! Just find one. Just go online. And just grab. Yeah, and most people who are, like, marginalized actors really want to represent their communities in a mainstream setting. And it's like a thing that people are passionate about. Mm-hmm. No one is, well, people will refuse you if you don't treat them right, but... So, like, that's another thing. It, you ha- If you're going to work with somebody, don't treat them like garbage. Yeah. Like, I know this is, this seems obvious, but it's not obvious to a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is so... It's just so it, 
Mm-hmm. I just can't stand it because it's like, yeah, we did the part. Yeah, we gave you guys what you wanted. What are you? T- why are you complaining? Well, for one, you're treating people like human garbage. Yeah. Um. On the topic of uh, movies written by people who they should have been written by, no more uh, movies about teenagers coming out. Keep making movies about gay teenagers. Please. Don't I'm, don't make another Love, Simon. I'm just like you. But... <laughs> That's still the funniest dialogue that has ever been put in a mainstream movie. Is the opening monologue to Love, Simon where he's like, I'm just like every other teen. I carpool. I get iced coffee. I wear hoodie. But I have a secret. secret. I'm a homosexual. <laughs> Um, and, and I email my secret online boyfriend <laughs> every single day. And then this homophobic kid blackmailed me, and we forgive him in the end, even though he really doesn't deserve it, and he yeah. should be suspended for not only violating my privacy, but also homophobia. Yeah. Um, so don't make don't make any more movies like that. Also, don't write any more books like that. Please. I this is the reason that I stopped reading YA actually. Um Yeah. That's, that's what I have to say about that. It's I have so much to say about that topic in particular because it's happened so many times. Uh-huh. Like, it's so easy to make movies about gay people that aren't about them being gay. Yeah, I recently read an article, because I had to do an anti-bibliography, and I read an article uh, from, like, a, a screenwriting professor who was talking about, like, uh, the issue with a lot of, like, uh, films about, like, queer people and, like, minorities in general is that they're treated as social problem films as opposed to, like, uh, films with those people in them. Uh-huh. Like, the problem is that they are a minority and that needs to be uh, addressed and taken care of somehow. Yeah. It's always treated for exploitation. And uh, I thought that was very interesting and it was a very good point because that's, that is exactly what happens. It's like everything has to be about the one thing we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so stop doing that. Please. Next resolution. Oh, this one is for me. Um, this isn't a permanent ban, but a year-long suspension on all Harry Potter content. Um, Uh, to the point where I'm tempted to say, also all fan-made Harry Potter content. I would like to say a forever ban. A ban, a ban on, um... Harry Potter merch being just like regular clothing. Uh, does that make sense? You that sounds this. mean. No, you but like you know how you walk into any Target and there's a whole section for Harry Potter. Or like The Office or Friends. Yeah, get rid of that. Stop making Harry Potter like a household brand. Um, don't like don't respond to anything Miss Rowling says or anything anyone related to Harry Potter, except the original cast, we love you, um, says, and- Oh, I forgot to mention this in the news portion, Emma Watson retired from acting. What's she doing now? I think she's going full-time into activism, good for her. Good for her. Anyway. Good for her. Um, yeah, so keep, keep talking to the cast, we love them. Daniel, Emma, Rupert, go off. Uh, but just stop giving a shit about Harry Potter. Stop caring about Harry Potter. Stop giving them money. Stop giving J.K. Rowling money. Yeah. Stop saying it was written by Hatsune Miku or whatever to try and 
uh, forgive yourself of your sins for liking Harry Potter or whatever. I yeah. hate seeing that. Because it's not just her transphobia. She's always been a bigot. Yeah. I hate to tell you this. Yeah, she's a whole turf. Um, also, the book's so racist, so anti-Semitic. And it's a, like, it's an okay story. And I understand why so many people were drawn to it and so many people can see themselves in it. But it's like, there are so many other stories out there that are of the same value and do what Harry Potter did, but better. And that's why I think that we can, like, we can go back to Harry Potter, but I think that we just need a collective break from it so that all of the people who define themselves by their Hogwarts house um, can just, like, learn how to chill out. People need to learn and read a different fantasy series. Desperately. I... Uh, Harry, this is the same, Harry Potter millennials and Disney millennials are in the same category. Yeah. And I need you all to learn, your, your obsession, you think it's harmless in a lot of cases, and yes it is, for the most part, but whenever you defend it with your life as if it's like the end-all be-all of like your personality, that not only makes you a boring person, it makes you an asshole. Yeah. It makes you an asshole. Which is why I'm also tempted to stay, say, stop writing Harry Potter fanfiction. Yeah. Because even if it's, like, fixing the problems in the story and making it better, and, like, I think that All the Young Dudes is, like, a cool piece of literature, um, literally just take a break. <laughs> just <laughs> That's please. my, that's the, like, crux of this resolution. From just step back. From two trans people, Stop worshipping the ground J.K. Rowling walks on. She's not going to give you anything that you want besides just, she's just profiting off you. And yeah. she's profiting off your fanaticism because she knows that you will forgive her for anything. And if you, for, and if you don't forgive her for anything, then... Yeah. For me, it's not even, like, I don't think that most people who are still really into Harry Potter are forgiving J.K. Rowling. And, like, most people have distanced themselves from her. A but lot. By but by consuming the content, you are supporting yeah, her. Yeah, by consuming the content, you're supporting her. And also, it's just been run into the ground at this point. Like, the fanaticism has not only pushed J.K. Rowling into the platform that she has to spread turf rhetoric now, it's also just, like, it's made the characters less valuable in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's really given her a platform to just be her worst self. Yeah. And uh, it just, like you said, it devalues whatever whatever the characters had and whatever they had to offer. Yeah. Like, I think I think that Sirius and Remus are, like, a really great subtextual romance um, in Harry Potter. I've seen so much Wolfstar content that I don't care about them anymore. It's incredible. Like, there's something to be said, and I think everybody needs to hear this, especially people who participate in fandom. Oversaturation is a thing. Yeah. There is too much. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. So, there is absolutely a point where you're going to be like, "Wow, I've seen so much of this Magnus Archive stuff that I never want to participate in it again." Or like, you get the idea. Just any yeah. fandom, it is more than possible to just be like, "I am so sick of this content now." Yeah. Because it has been devalued for me and absolutely just has lost all meaning. And not to say you can't consume things on a surface level, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to be required to have, like, this deep analytical thought about everything no. you ever consume. Unless you're me, and then you do, but and what? it's a problem sometimes. But there's nothing wrong with just enjoying content on a surface level, yeah. however... <sighs> yeah, just, like, 
That's why I'm just saying, like, take a year break, and then if at the end of your year-long hiatus from Harry Potter, you want to come back at it with, like, a renewed vigor um, that is still healthily removed from J.K. Rowling, then fine. Go right ahead. But take, take a step back. For just a year. Honestly, please. I kind of want to put that on all fandoms. I want all fandom content to take, like, a break for a year, and then everybody to come back. At least stagger the years, though, so that people have, people can still, like, be making fan content. Oh, no, of course. But I'm just saying, like, people need, I think there's an issue, especially now, where people feel, like, so consumed in fandom that becomes their personality. And it worries me to an extent, because then it's like, well, who People are like, well, who am I without this fandom? It's like, well, that's well, sort of... a person. Well, you're a person. A person who needs to find a different hobby. You need to find a hobby, and you need to... And uh, this isn't me dunking on people. No. I think there's nothing wrong with that. No, fandom is a great community, and making fan content is a great hobby or career for some people. But um, you need to be able to live outside of that and yeah. be able to... Nothing, nothing can be your only thing, you yeah. know? Like, there's a reason that putting your eggs all in one basket is really bad for you mentally. Yeah. It's what it's the same thing as like saying, well, I was the reading kid growing up. I love reading, and that's my only personality trait, and now I'm going to stake my whole personality on it. That's an issue. Like, that's going to cause you a lot of mental turmoil, especially because the thing about shows and movies is they have to end. Yeah. Everything ends eventually. Life is impermanent. It's got... This took a turn for the philosophical. Well, I think, I'm not mad about it. Well, I think it's worth mentioning because yeah. I think there's a lot of like a consumerist culture tied into fandom, and that's why people stake their identities on it. And I think stepping away from it sometimes is good for you. Yeah. Um. um next resolution. Next resolution. There's only uh two more. That yeah. There's two more. Uh, the first one is um another one that's just please stop caring about money so much uh not every network needs to also be a streaming service this is such a pet peeve of mine please consolidate get all of the ceos of all the streaming services together in one room and have them like like do some group icebreaker activities and then they have to pick groups like they're gonna do a group project except uh, whatever groups they have to consolidate their streaming <coughs> services, and then we keep doing this um, over and over again until there is only one streaming service. Paramount, Paramount was really the last straw for me. Yeah. <coughs> Bless Excuse you. me. Like, oh, look at their fun little commercial. That's so cute. I don't care. We're on like seven different streaming services at this point. This is too much. You have to pay so- well, I don't pay money, because I'm a college student, I'm still living with uh, my parents' accounts. My mom pays so much money just to watch shows that used to be on Hulu and are now not on Hulu because they're on HBO Max. You could also do it the old-fashioned way and sail the seven seas, but I'm not going to make any comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. You could, you could. I will not elaborate on that because I don't think our network will uh, approve if of me you are, commentary on that. If a if if a streaming service is mad that so many people are um, hoisting hoisting <laughs> up the Jolly Roger, 
so to speak. Yes. Uh, this sounds like a euphemism for something way different than what it actually is. No, but just just think about the word we're going back to, like in this in this metaphor, and it'll make perfect if sense. If people if people are donning some Jack Sparrow cosplay, um, so to speak, and you're mad about it, just make your content more accessible. Yeah, that's why that's all it takes. That's why hoisting up the mainsail is such an activity now because it's yeah. like. Same thing, same thing with Broadway. Oh, you're mad that people are recording your shows and posting them on YouTube? Damn, maybe you should post your shows on YouTube, and then people won't have to do it illegally. Like, that's the whole thing. People are- the reason people resort to that is because it's so inaccessible now, and it's becoming so much money that it might as well just be cable. So people are like, well, screw you. I'm gonna go find your content somewhere else for free. Yeah. And because- Hoisting up the Jolly Roger. Hoisting up the old Jolly Roger and battening down the hatches. <laughs> Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> what are other what are other things pirates do? Uh, if if walk in the plank. No, if um, <laughs> if one of your if a fan of your content is trying to contract scurvy, <laughs> make your content more accessible. If you they got a, a they got a peg leg and an eye patch. If they're talking to your if they're talking to a parrot. If they're if they have to quarantine their if they have to quarantine their uh their crewmates for uh, leprosy, if they are um weirdly fixated on the destruction of a, of an eleven year old boy named Peter, and also eventually get eaten by a crocodile, if you if it, if they're homoerotically in love with their first mate, if if you could sing if you could sing popular Cosmo Jarvis song about them. That's such a good song, though. I'm also gonna talk about that next Saturday. GBF and Gay Pirates by Cosmo okay. Jarvis. Those are the- t I'm writing them down. This is so much. GBF Gay Pirates. Okay, um, and just to make it very clear, WECB, we were not talking about Illegal activity. No. We were just talking about hoisting the Jolly Roger. Okay. Uh, last, last one. I had one about awards shows, but I am tired of thinking about awards shows. I am, my heart is broken. <laughs> I am going through a messy breakup with awards shows right now. We're not going to talk about it. No, Jack, you started out the I love them so much, <laughs> but they're so bad. No, you started at the beginning of the year so passionate, so... I'm so excited. Because I love them. I know you do, man. Award season is my favorite time of the year. Not this year because nothing's happening. They're giving Sia. Sia's music is nominated yeah, for Sia's Golden Globes. Sia's music is nominated for Best Picture. Like I know we're wearing thin on like content, but Sia's music. Sia's music. The one where Maddie Ziegler wears blackface and is prone restrained by Leslie Odom Jr. for being autistic. Oh, and also the part where she was like, uh, she was like bullied into doing it by, uh, by Sia. Yeah. Like a 14 year old girl was. Yeah. She was like, I think that this movie might be bad for autistic people. And Sia was like, no, darling. No, darling. It's fine. Do the movie. Do the movie. You're on Dance Moms, right? Sign oh, the my Australian accent. Sign the contract, darling, or else I'm gonna, or else I'm gonna put you in my trunk. <laughs> I they call it a boot actually. Uh my my apologies. Is that was that your main problem? That was, that was my main problem with that Sia impression. 
Okay, uh, last resolution. Um, bring back, bring back sets and practical effects. Oh if God. I see, if I have to, I watch bloopers all the time, constantly. Um, and it is becoming a tedious task for me to watch bloopers because I'm so sick of seeing people just standing in front of a green screen. It's so sad. You can build a set. You can make some puppets. Jim Henson could do it. John Carpenter could do it. John Carpenter made the sex- Find another old man whose name starts with J. <laughs> Find a Joshua. Maybe a Jeter. <laughs> Jeter, like Peter? Awful. <laughs> maybe a- maybe a Jitchard. <laughs> that sounds like a slur. Jitchard? Really does. Um... <laughs> The just, point is, it's Richard with a J. I know, but it sounds like a slur. Like that chick. <laughs> Wait, my name starts with a J. I'll do practical effects for you. I will come to your set and make little claymation puppets, a la John Carpenter's The Thing. J Jack. J Jack. <laughs> J apostrophe J A C K. Like John. That's my D and D name. Just kidding, my D&D name is Wilma. We can't, like, thinking about Jick. Jick. Jitchard. Um, the point is, for his, for his passed away, unfortunately. Um, the point is, practical effects, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how hyper-realistic something looks, because the great thing about film is that it is an art form and not reality, unless you're making a documentary, but even then it's an art form and not reality, right. which means that your practical effects and your sets don't have to look entirely realistic. There are some films that have been made recently that don't rely on things looking hyper-realistic, and they're so good, and part of the reason that they're so good is that they're like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to say the word. Their mise-en-scene is so stylized. And like, good. Uh, like, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh huh. And that did not look like a real house. And the pig at the end didn't look like a real pig. And at the end, everyone was wearing like weirdly fake age makeup and it worked. It was beautiful. Just, yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said. I, I can't remember who said the quote. I'm sure somebody will like at me being like, this was who said it. But somebody said, and it was really brilliant because it's so true, which is that good practical effects are always going to look like good practical effects. Yeah. But good CGI in 10 years is going to look like shitty CGI. Right. That's just how it goes. Like, technology will always progress. Technology will always get better and better and better. So whatever you're doing now, whatever you're CGIing into your movie is going to look like crap. Because that's just how it goes. That's the cycle of technology. Mm -hmm. But Jurassic Park, the thing... Oh, it's good. It looks gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it still looks so good to this day. Because even though it's just puppets... Those puppets are so Nothing funny. is just a puppet. For no, it. I'm just saying like <laughs> How dare you? I'm just saying you come into my house. I'm just saying, like because of like the way that they were made. Because of the content that they were made made with and how they were like so how they were so made with such consideration and with such like mmm like Steven Spielberg, like I hate the guy, but at the same time, the thought behind, like, the puppets in, like, Jurassic Park, mm -hmm. that's a level that's never gonna be matched. And, like, 
and John Carpenter's The Thing, Gremlins, stuff like that, that's not going to be as good. That's no. going. That's still going to be good. But, like, Avengers Endgame, that's going to look ugly. It already does. It already does, but, but like, for different reasons. <laughs> but eventually, that's going to look like ass. Yeah. So just use... I know that, um, especially compared to, like, the early 2000s and the early 2010s, like, people have gone back to practical effects a lot, but they're still, like, practical effects that are so aided by CGI that they might as well not be practical effects. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We mean break out the puppets and, like, only puppets. Mm-hmm. Please. I, I, wanna I see, miss them. I want to see more Labyrinth-style stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, those are our little resolutions. So let's Please go. take them to heart so that we don't have to keep coming on here and complaining. And the, we can find something else to complain about instead. Though I doubt that's going to happen, so I guess look no. forward to next week. Yay. Now. Recommendations. Recommendations. Uh, it's old, but we recommend Staged. Staged is excellent. We talked about that earlier. It came out, uh, in, it came out, I believe, in April of last year. Thank you. Maybe. Sure. But it's, on, but it's on Hulu. It's great. Michael Sheen and David Tennant are there. They're very funny. They have a great dynamic. It does, like, hit emotionally at one point. Like, you're like, ah, oh, fun show with David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Oh, God. Uh, and then it goes, like, immediately back to being a fun show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's genuinely good. And they, yeah. like, actually, and, like, and they, like, use, uh, they don't make the pandemic, like, the content. They make, like, what happens in the pandemic the content. Yeah, despite the fact that it is, like, filmed over Zoom. Yeah. They still manage to make you forget about COVID for however long the show lasts. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Dimension 20 is one that we've been watching. We are on sophomore year of Fantasy High, not because we watched seven seasons of Dimension 20 in the last month and a half since we started, well, we started it like a month ago. Yeah. In the last month since we watched it, we just watched freshman year and then immediately skipped to sophomore year, um, but it's good. Brennan Lee Mulligan is such a good storyteller. He's one of the, he's not only one of the best DMs I've ever seen, He's one of the best writers I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, he is just, he gets it on such a deep level. The content he writes is so profound, and he does it off the top of his head. I've never yeah. seen anyone do it like he does. Yeah, it's just excellent. That guy's brilliant. Yeah. Um, what else? I'm sure that I have music. Mm-hmm. you have anything else? Uh, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I recommend WandaVision, but n more from the perspective of, like, even if you don't enjoy Marvel, I think it's an interesting story. Uh, I don't really recommend Marvel content in general, but I do enjoy the acting, and I enjoy, like, uh, the ideas they have, so I yeah. wish they would make more content like it, uh, where it's, like, good without having to rely on Marvel, so. Mm -hmm. Um, I recommend the album Faint Music, Ordinary Light by the Yellow Dress. It's, uh... A cross between, like, folk punk and, like, 2014 Ingrid Michaelson pop, um, if that makes sense. I think it does. So it's, like, it's, like, folk punk, but for people who, um, go, go to Trader Joe's on a regular basis. I guess that is just folk punk. <laughs> folk punk, but for people who are a softer brand of granola, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um... It's very good. I've been listening to it as my, like, walking to class album. My favorite songs 
are a complete list of fears, ages 5 to 28 approximately, which is a very long title, um, and then also Existential Heckle. Um, I like it. I can't really think of anything in particular that I have been, okay. uh, that I've been listening to musically. Uh, I recommend the usual podcast. Uh, go take a listen to, you know, the Magnus Archives, that one's finishing up soon. Uh, Penumbra Podcast, that one's having a season finale soon. Welcome to Night Vale, still going as per usual. And uh, we're making our own podcast, if you're not aware we're making Yeah, we it. can talk about that. We've started a podcast network called Brain Rot Presents. Um, this show, we talked about it very briefly in the intro. Uh, but to get into it a little more, this show is going to be on WECB at the same time, but it will be pre-recorded and censored um, and cut for time, and there will be a longer uncensored version available if you pay us $2 a month on our Patreon, on the Brain Rock Presents Patreon. We also have a show called Prince Playlist, where our friend Anya talks about the music scene, the K-pop music scene, and we're working on an audio drama called Nemesign. Um, that is very cool, and if you pay us more than $2 a month on Patreon, you get a lot of behind-the-scenes content while we create Nemesign. We're currently uh, outlining season one. I believe we mentioned that in the uh, pre-show. That's for our patrons. Yeah. And uh, we're really happy with the progress we've been making, and uh, we're really hoping to have that done by the... We're really hoping to have season one uh, done by the summer. Yeah. So, uh, stay uh, tuned for that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's our show, I think. Do we have, yeah, we have enough. <laughs> Any <laughs> final thoughts? Uh, stay safe as per usual. Keep using your mask. Uh, do your laundry if you haven't done it yet. Uh, go change your laundry. Go change over your laundry. Oh god, it's been in the dryer for five <laughs> hours. You have to go get your laundry. And also check your canvas. What if you didn't do that homework assignment? Oh no, you your you essay. Did? Your essay that you thought you did three hours ago. You, Unnamed listener, your essay. You haven't done it yet. Go do it. It's turned like ominous. <laughs> and also, have a good weekend. We love you. Good night. I don't know you like that, but I think you're great. We love you in the way we idealize you, but not in the way that we actually know you. What's the Bo Burnham quote? You don't love me. We love the idea of you. Yeah. Uh, this has been WECB, the underground sound. Who's next? Uh, I'm not sure anymore. We've changed times. Maybe no one's next. That's the uncertainty of life, but yet we keep moving forward anyways. Have a good night, everybody. See you later. What else could I do? I'm so inspired by you. That hasn't happened for the longest time.
Thank you.